welcome everybody uh, and welcome maybe those who are joining in the future in the YouTube video version of this. Uh, it's good to have you all here. Uh, my name is Amber Kelly, she and her pronouns, Director of Religious Education here at Fourth Universalist. Uh, and so we thought it was really important that with this uh, big momentous change happening in the UUA world proposed for this year's uh, General Assembly, uh, that it was really important to dive into uh, these big proposals about the Article 2. Uh, so Article 2 is what contains currently the UU principles and sources, uh, currently officially seven with uh, movement on the eighth, um, adopted by individual congregations, uh, and uh, then the six sources. And so uh, in the uh, 20, late 2010s, uh, there was some issues around uh, racism, around diversity, around uh, some complicated conversations happening in the uh, wider UUA as a denomination. Uh, and in response to that, there was the Article II study, uh, Commission that was basically given um, relatively uh, free reign to make changes uh, and update um, Article II uh, of the UUA um, bylaws. These are these are part of our governing documents. So it's not just you know that that they're out there as a just general statement, but this is part of the bylaws that officially govern uh, the Unitarian Universalist Association. Uh, and so that was um, the discussion of the eighth principle, proposing the eighth principle addressing racism, first started in 2017. Um, and there's also been discussion uh, of changing around things in the first principle, as well as even changing some of the wording in the seventh. So um, the principles, uh, something that even as I became a UU that I uh, learned about was that, you know, these are things that have changed over time. And that's something that Reverend Schuyler is going to be diving into. Um, and they are something that we've, you know, said that we will constantly be analyzing and thinking about as how we can best state these as part of our reality. Uh, and so this commission was uh, given the ability, and I'm just going to quick share a screen and show you uh, about the commission. So if you uh, have the link in the chat, uh, and I've sent it out by email, and you can also find it by looking up uh, the Article 2 study report on the UUA website. Um, so the commission had um, basically the ability to look through and talk and have these big conversations, lots of conversations with the wider uh, denomination, thinking about uh, what it means to be UU and what really stands out. And they were uh, given this charge to um, rethink and um, reform our principles, whether that was to just adopt an eighth principle with some small changes. Uh, and the proposal that they came out with uh, involves um, some fairly major changes. So Reverend Schuyler, I'd like you to maybe hop in and talk to us a little bit about how these have evolved over time. Right. So thank you, Ember. Um, Unitarian Universalism has long been known as a non-credal organization and a non-credal denomination, but we've had for many years, since the beginning of both denominations, statements of faith and, and actual creeds, um, professions of faith, and there's different wordings for those. Um, but there are there have been documents over the years that have tried to capture what it meant to be Unitarian, what it meant to be Universalist, and then in 1961, for the first time, tried to capture what Unitarian Universalism was. So, um, so this is part of a, a long tradition 
of revisiting what our professions of faith are, professions of our religious identity are, um, to fit a modern time, to, to fit the changing times. So I'm going to share a few of these so you can get a sense of kind of where we've come from um, all the many years. So you can see some of our past statements of faith. They're not always called that, but they embody that. Uh, and you can kind of see where we've come to and where we are going. So um, one of the, the first ones from the Universalists in 1790s, this predates Fourth Universalist here, Rules of Faith, Philadelphia Convention. So you can see there are five sections here. These are statements of we believe. We believe in the scriptures of Old and New Testament. We believe in one God. We believe there's one mediator between God and, and man, which is Jesus Christ at that time. We believe in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and then the obligation of the moral law. So this was the one of the first statements of faith for the Universalist all the way back in 1790. Uh, New England Convention of Universalists. Now this also speaks to our sort of decentralized nature as a faith tradition. So here are the New England, there's Philadelphia folks before, here's New England. Um, you know, taking some things that is are similar to the last one, but uh, also all different. So here we have one God whose nature is love revealed in Lord Jesus. Uh, we believe that holiness and true happiness are inseparably connected. So you, hear some, you see some of these theological beliefs starting to, to come through. Welcome, Allison. Here we have the Boston Declaration and the Universalist Bond of Fellowship. So these are, these are later, obviously, 1899. So Fourth Universalist was around then. And as we were on 1935 for the Universalist Bond of Fellowship. So you see other ways of articulating what universalism was all the way back then. Condition of fellowship, essential principles of the universalist faith, the universal fatherhood of God, spiritual and authority of Jesus Christ, the trustworthiness of the Bible, certainty of just retribution, right? There's that universalist salvation, right? Just retribution, the final harmony of all souls with God. You see the Universalist Bond of Fellowship, a similar, uh, similar mentality, um, but you know you can see a little bit of the evolution here. In 1935, humanism had had really become a big deal for Unitarians, and, and Fourth Universalists at the time had already had a Unitarian humanist minister, although they did not last long. Um, they, they were in the mix with Universalists as well, and so you can see uh, some of the, the paring down of theological. Of sort of intense theological language. So then 1961, of course, the Unitarian Universalist Association was born. The two denominations merged together and became one. And this was the statement of, of principles that that was originally uh, designed for, for our faith tradition. You can see they are different than the seven principles or eight principles. There are echoes of, of them, but they're not the same, right? So the first one, they're not even numbered, they're lettered. Uh, support the free and disciplined search for truth at the foundation of, of religious fellowship. That sounds a lot like the, the fourth principle. Cherish the universal truth taught by the great prophets and teachers of humanity, uh, and also the Judeo-Christian heritage, right? So that that is a an attempt that the sources that we have now, the six sources, seeks to remove from the principles and also expand on. Um, so we'll get to talk about those later. Um, worth and dignity of every human personality. That's the first principle, right? Or at least a version of that. Democratic method, fifth principle. Implement the vision of one world. That's the sixth that emerged. 
serve the needs of member societies. That has vanished from the principles, um, but has found its place in other ways. Organize new churches and fellowships, uh, otherwise extend and strengthen liberal religion, um, also no longer in the principles, and encourage cooperations among good among people of goodwill. So this was the original funda- founding statement of what it meant to be a Unitarian Universalist. Um, and it was here for many years, until 1985, um, when they were renewed uh, and changed to largely be what we know today. Um, And there have been some edits to these. There was conversations about changing, I think, to less gendered language. Um, But more or less, these principles, uh, the seven, um, and we'll talk about the eighth in a minute, more or less have been the same. These were the principles that when I was a child in religious education in 1992 uh, in Milwaukee, we had these principles uh, and they uh, for most people um, uh, who have been alive since 1985, this is what they have known. Um, and uh, and these are the principles that we are thinking of changing now. So um, you have these principles here, then you have the sources. The sources often get a second, or sort of a, they're kind of like the, the, the forgotten part of this, but they're actually, I think, quite important in some ways speak um, more uh, directly to what is truly profoundly unique about Unitarian Universalism, which is its theological pluralism. So you you see here um, basically the ways that we understand wisdom and truth as as you use, whether it's direct experience, words and deeds of inspiring people, wisdom from world religions. There's still this Jewish and Christian teaching, which I think speaks to our particular historical tradition that comes out of those um, humanists, and then spiritual teachings from the earth centered was added later, right? So that's another example of an addition that was very clearly, you know, people said, we need to have this and use a change, here it is, but um, a smaller change, right? It was a a bullet point added. So um, as we go along, we have, as a faith, many of us have decided we need an eighth principle. This is the anti-racist, anti-oppressive principle that fourth universalist had uh, put forward uh, I think last year, the year before, uh, and we um, we felt like this was important and necessary as a way of expanding on our principles. Um, but what so I think what is challenging and maybe interesting also is that so these two processes, right, pushing for the eighth principle, has been going alongside this evolution of this new revision for this the Article Two, which um, while we have been having lots of conversation about the eighth principle very openly publicly, I think the challenge has been that not everyone has been aware of this other movement has been going on through the UUA infrastructure, which is this natural, every so many years you envision, you sort of reimagine Article 2, um, has been happening that would, that has turned out to propose eliminating the principles altogether. Um, and you don't, that was not necessarily the the foreordained decision, but that is what they have come to. And so it's sort of this interesting, um, uh, you know, back and forth process, although the people behind the eighth principle process um, have support, are offering their support to Article 2, and there's not animosity or hostility between the two movements, which I think is important. Um, even though they seem like they could be at odds, um, they are, are not. So so that's that's um, it's good when there's harmony and equanimity within our tradition. So um, those are, um, I'm going to stop screen sharing for one second, and then we're going to dive into the actual proposal for the Article 2 and what has changed and the reasons behind those changes. 
So um, many of you have probably clicked on the link uh, or seen it and explored it uh, and, and may have some sense of what that is, but um, there are, um, you know, there's lots, lots to talk about and lots to discuss um, about it. So we're gonna go through it very quickly here, or at least quickly enough to be thorough, share some of the, the reasons behind the changes and, uh, and, and, and go forth and talk. So a big part of the changes here, this is the document that UA has provided for us about, about how they were how they were proceeding with, with the Article 2 changes. Um, a big part of it was they felt that the principles and sources as they currently are written um, uh, do not actually ask us to do or be anything. Um, they talk about, there's a line about there's not enough verbs in it. They want something that is more active, more engaged. Um, and, and so they felt like they wanted to use language of, of covenant and also of connection that was more unified with, um, with our version of contemporary faith that is, is very action-oriented, very engaged with the world. Um, they've come up with a, a series of, of words that they felt are, that came out of a lot of conversations that um, have synchronicity within our, our tradition and that they feel like are a good example of who we are and what we believe in, what, what we actually can hold ourselves accountable to, which I think is very important for them as well. So they say, express an ethic and imply um, a certain theology, but the old principles do not name these values particularly explicitly. And so they, they want something that is more, more direct. So here we go. We'll, we'll dive in. Here are the current ones. We see these principles. Here they are, the seven principles right here. Here we have the sources right here. There's also this other language here, the um, these other sections, purposes, inclusion, freedom of belief, which do get changed a little bit between the proposed and the, um, uh, and the old ones. So here we are, proposed revisions. We're gonna jump ahead to the main thing so you can get that, but you see new influence of values and covenant. It's very particular. And here are here's the new framework essentially right here. So these are the values that they are saying um, are the shared Unitarian Universalist values. Interdependence, equity, transformation, pluralism, generosity, and justice. And at the heart of all of those, the thing that binds Unitarian Universalism together is this ethic of love which inspires and moves us in all the things that we do. These come from a shared conversation with all the different thought partners. Uh, and they have basically taken all the information that they've gotten about what it means to view you and, and distilled them to what they perceive to be these, these words and these concepts. And they've created this classical graphic for us. Um, along with the words themselves, you can see that they have language that articulates them further, little sentences, blurbs, that allow for a deeper explanation and expansion of those ideas. Many of which do contain a lot of the same words that we do see in the, in mm -hmm. the principles. Like you, you do see um, uh, the, you know, um, working towards equity, you, you see about um, free and responsible search for community. You, you do see a lot of the same phrases that you do see in the um, current eight principles um, kind of fit into some of these concepts as well. That's right. That's right. And you can see I just highlighted the dismantle racism 
all forms of systemic, systemic oppression. So that's a, uh, almost a direct quote from the eighth principle, at least a pretty direct homage to it. Um, so, so yeah, there's lots of tie-ins to between the two. And I think that's, I'm sure, very intentional as well. So, um, so what will happen now is that the General Assembly will take this on. They will have to vote in favor of these changes this year and next year to put them into practice. Um, I, I think it is unknown about how the General Assembly will respond to these changes. Um, 15 years ago, I think at the last time they did this, it uh, was not successful. So they, there were some uh, some proposals where some change was pretty, pretty um, big change was proposed that was voted down by General Assembly. And so that was not implemented. And so we obviously retained our, our principles and sources and the, the, the language we've had more or less since 1985. So it is not in any way clear that this is going to be changed, but it is a proposed change. And general assemblies are uh, uniquely and historically unpredictable. And you never know what will happen. And that makes them exciting and also uh, uh, unsettling in, in many ways. So if you are interested in going to general assembly, either as a fourth universalist delegate or uh, just as a participant, please let us know. We are always open to having conversations about um, fourth universal people representing our values because there's a lot going on 